New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today, I'm hosting psychologist Dr. W. Keith Campbell. He's the author of The New Science of Narcissism, Understanding One of the Greatest Psychological Challenges of Our Time and What You Can Do About It. I'm speaking with Keith at his home by remote connection. Welcome, Keith, to the New Dimensions Cafe. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to have you. Thank you. Um, First of all, I want to say that narcissism is one of the most popular buzzwords in our time today. But what is it really? Narcissism is a very popular term, and people use it much more than I think they understand it. So I'll tell you about the, the ways we use it in the psychological literature, and I think this will be helpful for the audience. But when we talk about narcissism, we're talking about, first, a personality trait, which is a individual difference. It means some people are more narcissistic, some people are less narcissistic, most people are in the middle. Narcissism in that sense, is defined as having an inflated, a very positive view of oneself. So somebody's narcissistic might think they're better than you. They, they might think they're uh, special. They deserve special treatment. They feel a sense of entitlement. And that sort of sense of self-importance or entitlement is at the core of narcissism. When you add to that some extroversion, some drive, some ambition, maybe even some charisma, likability, you end up with what we call grandiose narcissism. It's somebody who's driven, likable, and maybe a little bit full of themselves and also sometimes callous and entitled. When you take that narcissism and you add some vulnerability or some uncertainty, you end up with what we call vulnerable narcissism. This is an interesting combination of somebody who thinks they're entitled and should be at the center of things, but also has low self-esteem these folks end up being a little bit depressed. Both those forms of narcissism exist. Normally, sometimes we use the term narcissist to talk about somebody high in the trait, but there is no real cutoff there. The same way we say somebody who's very extrovert is an extrovert, but there's no magic line where you become a narcissist. We also use narcissism as a clinical disorder, a personality disorder, which is narcissistic personality disorder. This is a relatively rare, we're talking one to 2% of the population at any one time, will have it narcissism that is so extreme that it becomes clinically impairing. It ruins your relationships because you're cheating on your spouse or you're not really loving. It ruins your work because maybe you're overconfident and you make dumb decisions in your workplace or you're a bully you're mean to people and you get driven out of your job. You can't work with your staff and they have to get rid of you. So it becomes derailing and that's when it becomes a disorder. So when somebody says narcissism, they're usually talking about somebody who's got a trait that's a little bit narcissistic. Usually they're talking about somebody who's grandiose because those are the people we see more, the vulnerable people end up in therapy. And we're usually not talking about a disorder because that disorder is rare. 
but sometimes we are. And that's where some of the uncertainty is. I want to talk about something that's really up in the culture right now. And that's the idea of empathy. A narcissist is being described as lacking empathy. Yeah. Empathy is the ability to feel or perceive somebody else's emotional state. So sometimes we use empathy to mean perspective taking, like, hey, Keith, do you know what that person's feeling? And can you, can you puzzle it out? And the other that's more emotional, do you know what they're feeling? Do you really, can you really feel that? Do you feel that sense of compassion maybe that comes up because you know they're suffering, you can feel that suffering. What we find with narcissism, and the literature on this is not perfect, is that they, but they seem to have the ability to understand what people are thinking. They seem to have the ability to be empathetic, at least cognitively, meaning, yeah, I know that person's suffering. I know that. What seems to be lacking is the motivation isn't there as strongly. They're not leading with their heart. They're not going into a situation saying, yeah, what can I do to make this place right? I feel suffering. That's not how it works. It's more, how can I get some attention in this situation? How can I get what I want? And, and if I bulldoze people, yeah, maybe I'll realize that when somebody tells me you're causing suffering. But it's usually not foremost in people's minds. But you do not find that people who are normally narcissistic, it's not that they're lacking that ability. It's not that they can't be empathetic. It's not that it's not there. And in fact, lots of people we've interviewed, and this is more recent research some of our students have done, people who are narcissistic often know that they lack some empathy or they lack some compassion. And they know that's a problem. So there's even some awareness there. It's not that you're dealing with straight up psychopaths or people who can't feel anything it's really more of a deficit than an utter inability to be empathetic or compassionate. Tell me, Keith, do you feel that as a doctor of psychology and professor at the University of Georgia, do you feel that psychiatrists and psychologists should be able to criticize politicians openly like the rest of us? Currently, as a research psychologist, I can criticize anyone I want. As an American, I can say anything to anyone, you know, as long as they're a public figure. And as a public figure, people can say mean things about me, too, and not much I can do about it. If I were a psychiatrist, under the Goldwater rule, I couldn't diagnose people from afar. That's just an American Psychiatric Association rule. Personally, I think psychiatrists should have the same rights I do as a researcher, and they should be able to say whatever diagnosis they want of public figures. I'm cautious doing it because, you know, how do you diagnose somebody based on public record? It's not going to be perfect. But again, I, I think they should have the same rights as anyone else. The information isn't that secret anymore. We can observe traits. We can see what people do. We see their histories. So I'm not opposed to it. Just try to be cautious doing it. You mentioned earlier in our conversation something about narcissist being a bully. And I'm wondering about the proliferation of what we call cyber bullying. Yeah, that's really interesting. And people have looked at two things in the internet world that have popped up. One is cyber bullying, even cyber stalking, but often it's the cyber bullying or mobbing is mobbing is the, the term they use in the UK and other places for it. And the other is trolling behavior, which is going out online and trying to get people angry and upset. 
And in both those cases, people have looked at, 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 at cyberbullying. They've also looked at trolling with narcissism and related traits. So there's this group of traits we call the dark triad, sometimes the dark tetrad. They're the cousins of narcissism that are narcissism, psychopathy, sadism, Machiavellianism. So people use, will use all those. And what you find is that narcissism predicts bullying. It predicts trolling as well. The trait of sadism seems to do it better. People who really take joy in causing people harm, those people tend to be the worst, you know, the worst trolls, the worst cyber bullies. With narcissism, the motivation is often to get attention and to look good. And if you hurt people, that's fine, but that's usually not the primary motive. So you find narcissism is predicting these things, but it's not the primary goal. Do you find that people who do a lot of selfies and stuff like that and social media is more prevalent for narcissistic people or, or makes them more narcissistic? Yes. So the first question is that, you know, the link between selfies and narcissism is people who are narcissistic tend to take more selfies. And it gets interesting. People who are grandiose and narcissistic do it and feel pretty good about it. People who are more vulnerable do it get really anxious about how good the selfies are, take it a few more times, and then send it out. But narcissism is, is related to selfies. I think the selfies are so obvious for narcissists because it's a way to get attention. You can get a really good photo, send it out there. People say they, they put a hit of heart. It's great. It's easy to do. So you do find that. With bullying, it's not as easy a way to get attention. So being a bully isn't really a first choice if you're narcissistic. It's better to be loved. The only time you really want to be a bully is if somebody's standing in the way of what you want and you think it's a way to get more status. So if I can beat this person down and step on them to get more status, and that'll get me more love and attention and fame and adoration, I'll do it. But being a bully isn't sort of foundational to narcissism. Attention-seeking is. So one of the positive ways of using this, and I think you mentioned it either in articles or your book, it's the ice bucket selfies that happen. And that was like a positive use. Yeah, I think so. Imagine I just, I'm a little narcissistic. I want people to say, Keith, you look good, you know, big deal, right? So if I want people to support my cause, I say my cause is wear a blue shirt for Alzheimer's or whatever. Hey, I got this blue shirt. I look pretty good. I take a selfie. I say, I'm doing it for Alzheimer's. And everybody goes, God, he's kind of nice. He's not an egomaniac. And there gives me a chance to send out my picture. And I go, everybody goes, you look good in that blue shirt. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing it for Alzheimer's. I'm a legend. So when you can align ego with any sort of pro-social goal, it makes sense to do that. You know, it's the same way people drive green cars as a status symbol. You're doing it for ego, but it's, it's helping too. So there's no reason we can't align ego needs with pro-social activities, if that makes yes. sense. Yes, it does. It does. You know, and it... To the extent we do that, we can make the world better without trying to get rid of everybody's ego, which is a very challenging thing to do. Well, right now, as we're speaking, we're in the mid-summer of 2020, and we're in the mid-COVID-19 pandemic, and it's causing a lot of chaos. So as far as your research goes and your your focus on narcissism, what do you see where we are now and where we might be going? I think 
uh, in terms of narcissism, we were in a very narcissistic society going up to the Great Recession. We had the, you know, with the Instagram and the Kardashians, and that was very much how society was. After the, you know, after the economy collapsed about 10 years ago, people started becoming a little less narcissistic, I think. At least young people did. And now with the chaos we're in, we're questioning everything. So on one hand, we have institutions breaking down and trust breaking down. And when that happens, people who are narcissistic are like, great, I can do whatever I want. The institutions are down, time for me to get power, time for me to get ahead. So it's a risk factor. At the same time, it allows us to get to know like what really matters. You know, when things are that bad, you go, what matters? God, and I know a lot of people like, I just want to go to the mountains. I just want to go to the beach. I just want to be with my kids, you know, well, mostly now we want our kids back in school, but then be with them after they're done with school. And so that changes things. And you go, you know, I don't care about all that ego stuff. I don't care about that status. I don't care about my car. I really just want to be happy and take a walk. So that can be a bit of a reset for people. And I don't know how this is going to shake out. I won't pretend to know. I've studied societal change my whole life. And this one is chaos in the literal sense that I can't predict what's going to happen. So I'm not going to. Other than to say it's a chance for change. And I think it's a crucible for a lot of people. And I think a lot of positive change will come out of this, as well as a lot of suffering. And it's just true what you say, when things are stable and trucking along, it's very, very hard to buck for change. Yeah. But when things are chaotic and mixed up and in flux, that's the yeah. moment that change can happen. Right. My concern is that, you know, as, as somebody studies narcissism, is this is a leadership tactic that a lot of narcissistic leaders use. They destabilize the system so they can take it off. And I, I say it's the same way uh, swordfish do it or marlin. Any billfish will go into a school of fish and just start shaking that bill around, destabilize everything. Then they just eat what they want. So there's a strategy for narcissistic leaders to create instability. This is something historically because the instability gives them a chance to rise to the top and take out the old leadership. That makes me nervous. But this instability seems to be caused by an outside force. No one really seems to have a handle on it. So I don't know who's going to emerge from this. I hope it's something good. But I, I don't know if it will. But I'm you know, we go through these trends, we get better, and I hope we do. I mean, this reminds me so much of 68. I was two. <laughs> but just the same chaos, the same issues, you know, and things got better. However, things have changed as far as information available to us and the... Yeah. Uh, Gosh, there are so many books and podcasts, a new view of the line of history, not just these separate points of history that, okay, you know, after the Civil War, there was no more slavery or the civil rights movement in the 60s. But there are all these connecting things in between that we're learning about that, that haven't been in our history books. And I believe that this is a very positive trend. Well, you're, you're creating chaos, and that gives you a chance to build all these new links. You can retell all the stories, you know, and that can be very, very positive. And it's always going to be a story. You can never get everything. You know, you're always telling a story about what happened. With social media and these networks, we can see a lot more history than we could before. 
On the other hand, we have, you know, our media has become so centralized that what appears to be 50 different outlets is really one outlet with 50 different names, you know, so it's just, it's a mix where the, where the centralized media is, is more centralized than it was, but there's so many more podcasts and alternative sources that you can get ideas from anywhere now, which again, I find really optimistic and positive, but it's destabilizing, you know, when things are destabilizing, it's scary. I find that there's a new phenomena that's going past normal Facebook and Instagram and MySpace and all of that, that is all these Zoom meetings where we're meeting face-to-face, so to speak, in virtual reality. It's a very different trend. Nobody's really writing about this, but I'm finding it fascinating. No, and I... I'm not writing about it. Science is always, we're always driving in the rearview mirror by about two years. I apologize. It just takes a couple of years to make sense out of things that just the way it is. Like I, I kind of understand Facebook now that the kids don't use it anymore. Like I finally understand it. But personally, what I've noticed is I've lost a lot of social life because people just aren't going to bar or whatever. I don't go to bars, but they're not going out as much. So I've lost a lot of that more in-person social life. And I've done more Zoom connection. And I found that very appealing, too. It's not recorded. It's just discussing things with people kind of in a private online way. And I think there's a, a potential there to build a whole new network that isn't really social media. It's really just a social network that's computer mediated so that we can sit in different places in the world and all talk. But it could build some powerful alliances and some powerful networks that will grow under the ground like a a mushroom mycelium or whatever. And it's going to pop up in a year or two. I don't know what we're going to have, but it's going to be different. It's going to be fascinating. And we're all kind of... Yeah, exactly. I want to thank you so much, Keith, for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today. Oh, thank you. That was great. I've been speaking with Dr. W. Keith Campbell. He's a professor of psychology at the University of Georgia, and he's the author of The New Science of Narcissism, Understanding One of the Greatest psychological challenges of our time and what you can do about it. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, wkeithcampbell.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms, and I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You, too, can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.